Hi, and welcome to the Sweet Sorella Stories podcast. This is a podcast that is dedicated to joining and fostering a community of storytellers that highlights the importance of sharing our stories of motherhood, relationships, creativity, and wellness, all while sharing our perspective and lens through which we experience this world based on things like our culture, race, and spirituality. I'm Ivy Kukuzi. I'm your host. I'm a mom to twin girls, a wife. I've been a healthcare provider and educator for about 15 years. I'm currently a student of social work and public health. I also love to craft. Having a creative outlet is extremely important to me. In every episode, I delve into some of my personal successes and failures, and as well as those of my family, friends, and guests, in a fun yet heartfelt way, hoping to empower, inspire hope, teach, and reduce each other's suffering through the wisdom and pearls that are embedded in these stories. Now come with me on this journey, and let's hear a story together. Hi there, listeners. Welcome back to the Sweet Sorella Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ivy. Thanks for joining us for episode four. In this episode, we're going to be talking about travels, studying abroad, making amazing friendships during traveling and learning languages. I'm also so excited to introduce you to a dear friend and guest today uh, that I'll be introducing later in the segment. But I wanted to just do a recap of the last episode, uh, and that was on courthouse weddings. And that falls under our relationship category of this podcast. So I shared you know, why we chose to do a courthouse house wedding or a micro wedding and how if you were on the fence about that, that could possibly be a fit for you. But I think one thing I wanted to add, and if you are totally interested in checking out that episode, it's episode three. So be sure to, you know, click on that and listen to it. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is that no matter how small your event is, it still can be very stressful. So please, please, please ask for help. I think that is one thing I regret not doing. I thought that it was small. And so I thought, oh, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm going to do it all myself. And I actually probably almost burnt myself out doing that. So, you know, enlist the help of friends, family, or even, you know, hire a planner since it's a lower budget and it's a small event. So that was just one of my recaps that I wanted to share. But I want us to go ahead and switch over because we have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Um, Traveling is a really, really, really big part of my life, my stories, um, the way I view the world, the lens. I'm also an immigrant, so, you know, I would not have arrived to this country without travel. And so it holds a special place in in my heart because it's given and created and continues to create a lot of opportunities for me. One of the, you know, things that I really love to look forward to is just the friendships. I, I have so many amazing friendships for my travels. And then just exploring new landscapes, so nature. Uh, waterfalls are a big deal to me. So if I travel somewhere that has a waterfall, I like to fit that in, whether it's a mini hike or something like that. Museums, zoos, and then just like seeing how people live every day. So I'll go to grocery stores or just little things like that, that just help me connect better with the with the area. Um, one of my favorite traveling quotes that I wanted to share is by IBN Batuta, the medieval traveler. And it says, 
traveling, it leaves you speechless, then it turns you into a storyteller. And I thought that was fitting because I think probably the best stories that I've had um, are from my travels. And then another one is by Gustave Flaubert, uh, the French novelist who wrote Madame Bovary, which is one of my favorite novels. And it says, travel makes one modest, but it also allows you to see what a very tiny place you occupy in the world, which is also uh, a, a, another quote that just resonates with me. And you realize that, you know, it, it just it makes your world smaller, but in a good way, because then you realize, you know, just how big this world is and, you know, your value that you bring, but also the value of others that may not live in your immediate circle or culture um, or race. So what can you expect from this episode? So I have um, an amazing friend that I'm going to be introducing. We're going to talk about, I'm going to introduce her and share how we met. Um, We're going to talk about traveling and, you know, kind of the unique things that uh, opportunities that traveling can bring. But we're also going to delve a little bit deeper and talk about challenges of things like studying abroad and then delve deeper also into her goals, aspirations, challenges, um, a lot of fun stuff. So be sure to tune in and stay tuned and listen to the end of the episode. I think a lot of us will be able to relate to the content that we have to cover. So without further ado, I'm going to be introducing my friend, Paula Guerrero. Uh, she is an amazing uh, person that I met, actually. I, I shared earlier that my husband and I did a six-week honeymoon, but we weren't together the entire six-week honeymoon. Um, my husband actually had a study abroad, and we tried to combine the trips. So we had two weeks in Greece where we were, um, you know, we, we did our more of our typical honeymoon stuff. And then while he was doing his study abroad program um, for his engineering degree, I decided to grow my French, which, you know, that's a language that I grew up speaking. And and so I decided to sign up for a course slash travel with um, Education First, EF. And it was located in Nice, so it wasn't too, it was not too crazy to get there from Italy where my uh, husband was studying. And so I was able to visit him there for a little bit, but then I had I got to spend uh, an amazing two weeks in Nice where it was a very accelerated course, but I learned so much. And by the end of it, I was dreaming in French. And so I knew that I had learned something, but it was really cool to uh, you know run into Paula. And I'll kind of let her tell you a little bit how I met her, but she reminded me of a young and up and coming Amal Clooney, just based on what she wants to study and uh, which she'll share with you later. But she's from Madrid, Spain, and um, has traveled the world with her family, Italy, Portugal, Portugal, France, Canada, Ireland. And her and I actually ran into each other uh, on, on, the, on the bus while we were going, uh, while we were headed back to our, our sort of, because the, the program assigns you, if you want, with a family, like a host family to live with. And I wanted that full immersion. So yeah, I'll never forget the street. It's Bornella. I, I, was try- I forgot about the street, but it's Bornella Drive. <laughs> and so it was kind of really cool to, to just, you know, talk and, and, and try to remember how we met. But I'm going to, you know, kind of, because uh, there's a little funny anecdote I'll share it, but 
Paula, I would love to hear from you just your story. And if you want to kind of recap on how we met and, and sort of, you know, let's, let's jump off from there. Yes, of course. Well, hi, um, Ibn. It's like very nice to hear from you and to be your guest today. I'm really like happy that you counted on me for this, for this episode. So yeah, like as we were recently talking, it was really funny, like the way we met each other. Uh, basically because like it was one of those moments in my life that showed me like age is just a number because we had like no idea how old each of us was at that time. I was like 19, you were like 30 something, but I just didn't know about it. And I had <laughs> like, um, I don't know, like I think what made me thought that you were younger is that most of us, like most of the people that were in our class that were in the school, were more or less my age, or which is actually 21. So yeah, I just didn't think about it. And I just had seen you like in my street and in the school. And I just thought it would be a really great idea to talk to you and to know a little more about who you were and what your experiences were. So I just like wasn't afraid of talking to you. And I actually did. And when, when, and then when you told me your age, it was really funny because I ha would have never expected that we that there was such an age gap between us. But I'm actually really grateful that I did that because of the excellent relationship we have now. Like I love the way we keep in contact with each other as well. So I'm really proud of myself for that. <laughs> I I want to piggyback on that because um, you know I didn't know what to expect when I signed up for that course, right? But then I realized that oh yeah, well who would have you know, so many weeks to go abroad to study a language, probably 20-somethings-year-old, right, or 18-year-olds. Yes. <laughs> and, and so I got there. I think there was like maybe two other people because uh, there, there was like a mom and a daughter that mm -hmm. did it together. I thought that was cute. And so there were a couple of people my age, but they were either doing it with their da daughter or, or son for like a family type vacation, um, which I thought, oh, man, I totally would love to do that with my kids one day. Uh, but yeah, other than that, so I luckily I'm short, <laughs> and I'm, I I thank you for the compliment. I do, I do look younger. I get that a lot that I'm younger <laughs> than my age. So I was able to blend in, and I guess I I dress pretty young. So so yeah, it was it was cool though. But you know, I just I felt like everyone that I met was so mature because. You know, I just I can't imagine myself at 18 or even 21 doing that trip and staying focused and studying because uh, it was it was a lot of homework and stuff you had to do. And so I think that was one thing when I, you know, when when we struck up a conversation on the bus trying to get home because we both lived on the same street and we would kind of all walk together and commute to the class. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool to, you know, just hear and then to hear like your aspirations. Um, yeah, really, really cool. So go ahead, Paula. I'd love to hear your background and your story. Okay, so yes, as we already said, like I'm Spanish, I'm a student, I'm 21 year old. I'm currently finishing my university studies on law and international studies. I'm currently studying at the University of Victoria in Canada. Uh, so like I'm permanently based in, in Madrid. And back in Spain, I also work part-time in my own school where I studied, uh, teaching English to 10 to 12-year-old kids. And although my life is mainly based on those like uh, studies and academical preparation in general, I've always been passionate about languages and I'm always like 
I'm looking for the time to start a new one because I really enjoy it. And yeah, also definitely traveling is one of the ways in which I like spending my time the most. Not only because of the fact of getting to know new places and cultures, which of course is always an enriching experience, but also because of the like the shared experiences it provides you with, like both family, both with family and friends and with new people you can get to meet uh, on the way. And like Absolutely. apart from that, like in my free time, I also like uh, love taking pictures, whether of landscapes, miniatures, portraits, which is actually uh, linked to traveling uh, itself and one of one further reason why I liked it. And I get yeah, that's basically me. And also drawing, for example, is one of my patients, especially when I'm just like done with my routine and I need some time to relax and to forget about everything else. That's so awesome to know that, you know, traveling is such an outlet for you, but that you also have this creative side of you where you're drawing. And, you know, we were fortunate to meet and during a world that was very open, right? There was no pandemic. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to worry about germs and Definitely. masks and vaccines. And, and I mean, I can't even imagine what travel feels like now because th- that travel was so uninhibited, right? Like, we hung out, we danced, we had food, we just, you know, we were packed into rooms. It was like four of us, I remember, in my host family's room. And and that's probably, you know, something that's probably pretty affected now. So travel has changed. And you're right, you just, these outlets of creativity are, are, have possibly changed for some people and are, are so important. But what does travel mean to you and how has it shaped you both pre-pandemic and and post-pandemic? Well, uh, in fact, travel does mean like a lot to me, even if I still haven't had the chance of being to that many places. But I can recall like my very first trips in Spain, for example, with my family when I was just a kid. And I was very excited about all of that kind of experiences. And even more when we visited like neighboring countries like France or Italy because of flying and preparing luggage and everything, it makes it seem even more important. (laughs) But apart from all of that and from uh, all the um, times in which I have had the opportunity to travel with my friends as well on holiday, I definitely think that the fact of being here now, the fact of being in Canada for four months is like the biggest travel experience for me. And I don't know if I will ever have the chance to do something similar again. And I have the feeling that this travel is definitely changing my life, like, completely. And even if it is, like, in a pandemic situation in which not only you have to be, like, aware of all the documents, of all the stuff you need to go to a different Mm -hmm. country, to a different continent, you also have to be aware of, uh, you know, like, the COVID passport. They ask you for it literally everywhere. And, yeah, it's a completely different story to pre-pandemic travels. Yeah, no, that definitely. And um, so how, how long were you on lockdown in, in Spain before you could, you know, do this study abroad? So like in literal lockdown, we were, I think, around maybe like four or five months, more or less. And I actually I had this experience canceled twice because I was supposed to come here in September 2020. So in my third year of uh, university studies but of course it was cancelled because of COVID just like everything yeah. else 
and then it was cancelled again because the university wasn't accepting uh, each change students. And then it was me who decided to postpone it, like from September 2021 to January 2022, you know, because I just didn't want it to be like cancelled or postponed again by the university itself. And I just wanted to make sure that I had like a fixed plan for January. So, yeah, yeah and I finally made it. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, you definitely did. Gosh, way to persist and finally achieve that goal. I wanted to talk with you about language, right? Obviously, we met on a language study program, and I know your French has taken way off than <laughs> mine. I'm forgetting mine. I am trying to teach my twin girls French, and language is so important. You know, you can't separate it from travel depending on where you do go, especially if you travel to a place where it's, they don't speak your, your native language. And so, you know, I'd love to hear your experiences and so you know you're you're trilingual right you speak English Spanish and French and um, what does that kind of mean to you what what opportunities does that give you to be trilingual well I think that it definitely opens a lot of future opportunities for looking for jobs for instance I think that's the main thing I actually like I study languages and I like study languages because it has just been like one of my patients from the very beginning. I, I started learning English uh, like out of school when I was nine. And they told me that if I, um, like it was an English academy, I went there like three and a half hours to four hours a week after my school. And they told me that if I was able like, to continue with uh, that uh, rhythm of classes and just successfully pass all the exams and everything, I would hopefully be bilingual by the age of 18, which I actually did. Because I don't know, like it has never been like a hard task for me to actually sit and study a language. I don't know. It, it's not like, for me, it's like a completely different story to, for example, sit and study in maths or study in whatever yeah. i don't know it's just something yeah. i i like i think it's a really it's a very big advantage for me because some people really struggle to learn foreign languages and they do it because they are forced to do it because they are asked to do it like for their job like for example my father he's like 52 and he has never ever studied english uh, in his life yeah. and now he's required to do so like to keep on his position and like he really admires me, for instance, for that, because he's like, you have a really big opportunity to like be right. the HUR and know the languages in the way you do. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. That's awesome. And yeah, we all know that learning a language is just so much harder when you're older. And so I think it's so cool that you took that opportunity when you were um, younger. So speaking of those experiences and those opportunities you were talking about with learning a language, you know, one of the things that I like to reflect on as I start this creative journey is, you know, how my positionality, which is, you know, a social work term referred to, which is just like your identities that you, you identify with, you know, how, how that has helped you. So for me, being a woman of, of color, African, a clinician, someone who's a mom now, you know, there's an identity that I now and how I interact with the world. So I'd, I'd love to hear your, you know, how your nationality, your positionality, how that helps or hinders you if, if in any way. So I think definitely my nationality does help me 
on the position I have in the world right now. So because like maybe being a, a woman or being a student in Spain was definitely not the same uh, 40 to 50 years ago, in which most part of the women didn't even have to, the chance to actually go to university because they either had to take care of their siblings or to of or their own family, their own kids. So I'm I think I'm definitely lucky for that for being a student in like this time in history and also for being a, a woman because I definitely think that feminism is like really advanced, at least in my country nowadays. And even if there's still a lot to do and a lot of steps to take until, you know, until wages are really equal between both genders and until both men and women have equal chances of reaching, for example, high positions in companies or these kind of things. I think it's we're in the good direction and I think this is going to help me like even more. As, year, as years go by in the future, when I actually have to search like for a serious job after finishing my studies. So I think I'm really lucky in that sense. Although, of course, uh, the fact of being uh, women uh, nowadays still has its cons and still can just prevent you from doing many things, many more things than it should. But I really hope that it will get better with the, with the years, yes. Yeah, I would say I'm grateful to be living in 2022 and not 1902. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> we've, we've come a long way. But this just shows, again, why I thought you reminded me of a young Amal Clinique. Just some of the, these were some of the conversations I've, I think I remember having with you and some of the topics you already consider, right? like the gender pay gap and things like that, that I just thought I would never have been able to strike a conversation with someone your age on. And so on that note, you know, knowing that, you know, you're studying international law, you know, if you could go back in time, I have two questions. I'm going to ask you two questions together at once. So, you know, what is there a piece of advice you would tell your eight-year-old self as you sort of dream about who you want to become? And I'd love to get a better understanding of who you kind of hope to help to in choosing this career path. Um, and then the last question is more so, you know, especially me as an African, you know, our parents tend to heavily influence our career choices, at least mine did in the sense that, you know, I knew I couldn't go be a musician, right? I needed, even if I was super creative, I had some training wheels. I needed to do something I could support myself and it needed to be a lucrative type career, right? So whether it was a doctor or a pharmacy, something like that you know, I, I'm not complaining now because at least, you know, them putting those parameters, I think, got me to where I am today, where I'm a very independent and self-sufficient uh, woman. But what influences, if any, have your parents also played in, in that? So let me know if I need to <laughs> remind of the question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So starting, for example, by the piece of advice I would give myself to my eight-year-old Paula, little Paula. I think like, I don't know, I'm like, quite happy and proud of the way I've managed uh, my studies up to now in the way that I've always taken all of my school and high school tasks in a very serious way. Like even when I was younger, like, I don't know, maybe some of my classmate, classmates, for instance, weren't that willing to, for example, do, the, do their homework or just like 
actually work on the um, subjects we had by that time, but by that time, sorry, which were like very easy, easy to follow. But uh, something I would probably tell myself is not to be that hard with myself, probably. If you know that you have given the most of yourself and that you have put your maximum effort on the things you have done. And I would give that piece of advice not only to my eight-year-old self, but also to my 18-year-old self. <laughs> because, like, I don't know, I have sometimes felt very frustrated for not achieving a certain grade, for instance, especially at the beginning when I started university, because I was very used to putting all my effort in my studies and getting like the maximum grade, the maximum results. But then, of course, when university started, that was a completely different story. So even if you put your maximum effort on whatever you do, that's not always exactly. going to give as a result the maximum grade. And then in that moment, you start comparing yourself with your classmates, with the grades they achieve, and you have the feeling that you're not doing your best. And that is very frustrating. And like now I look back, like not that long ago, like three years ago, and I think, okay, I was actually doing my best in that time. And that is what I have to think about. Like whatever the result is, you have to think about what you did, if you could have done more, if you should have done more or less. And then that's the thing you have to you have to think about from my like in my opinion so like um with my current studies with law and international studies i'm not really like a hundred percent sure about uh, what i want to do when i finish them i will probably think about taking my masters and maybe working or part-time at least uh to be able to finance some of that because it's very expensive but I like something I've realized is that I would really like to help people, like real people, and uh, so that I'm able to see the result like in first hand. In a, in the sense that, for example, studying law can be like a very impersonal way of helping people. I don't know if I'm explaining myself, but you can be a lawyer and you can work with people, but there. Are, Yes, connected at the it. same time. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, like, I think there are like two very different approaches related to that. So, I would really like to like look at someone and so that that person told me, "This is my problem. How can you help me?" And just being able to help them somehow, or just actually like mean something in their lives, if that makes sense. That is what I'm uh, yeah, looking forward to. Absolutely. And you touched on something earlier, which is I think I would totally give my my college self the same advice as not to be so hard on, you know, not getting the A. And, you know, I explained, you know, as an African, there is that sort of added pressure when you don't get that A, even even a B sometimes didn't feel acceptable. And I felt like complete failure <laughs> with, with Bs, which in the grand scheme of things and, you know, put in that type of pressure I don't know it was healthy and so yeah that would totally be one of my um, biggest advice I'd love to hear you know I know you're in Canada uh, and I could tell you're so happy there can you give us a little glimpse about Canada what you like about it and uh, and just what are some of your favorite things to do there so I'm definitely like 
I love this country. I liked it much more than I actually expected. And there are a lot of reasons behind that. I think one of the very first things I would say is that people in general are very like human and very nice. Everyone has like from the very first person I talked to here, which I think it's, it was probably the taxi driver that took me from the airport <laughs> to the ferry station in Vancouver. They have all been very nice and like they really care about what your problem is, what you need, if they can help you somehow. And I have never had that feeling back in Spain. I don't mean that people ignore are not nice in Spain, but like, I don't know if it's because here they see me as a student, they see me as a young uh, girl who needs help, I guess. But like, I don't know, in general, and everyone like also in the university itself, all the staff, all the teachers, they've all been very nice to me and I really appreciate that. And also another thing I'm very grateful for is the many, many different types of people I'm getting to know. And I had never had that chance in my life. And I don't, I don't think I will ever have the chance again because I'm meeting people from very different nationalities, like not only Europeans, which of course, because I think I, like now I know <laughs> someone from every single European country, <laughs> but not only from Europe, but like also from Asia, from America, like from everywhere. And I'm really grateful for that because I'm really, it's really helping me to think out of the box and realizing that there are so many different types of people in the world, so many different cultures, so many different ways of seeing life in general. And okay. I, like, I don't know, something, some, something that I really think about is that when I was in Spain and I was with my friends, for instance, I thought each of us was very different. Each of us had a different background, a different family. And now I have the feeling that all of us are exactly the same. <laughs> and that the difference is yeah. just outside your country, outside your family. And there are many, many different life stories to tell and many different things to learn, actually. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You said that so beautifully. That's given me life, right? And yeah, and I think that's what happens when you don't travel, right? You end up thinking that the differences between the people that you're with are just so big, right? Like, oh, you're this, you support this political party and I don't, right? Yes. And you think that's just like the biggest crazy difference. But when you travel to another continent and you see what true, you know, differences in other cultures look like, then, you you know, yeah, you realize exactly. So you said that really, really well. Okay, so my next question, what are the opportunities that you're most grateful for and tying to that, what has been your biggest challenge or failure so far? Uh, so definitely, I think one of the opportunities I'm most grateful for, for in my life is having had the chance of, in general, doing, but especially studying what I wanted to study. Because that, I guess, is the, like, the most important decision I've made, being my age and being in my situation. But like my Parents have always uh, supported me on anything I wanted to do, either if it was, for instance, like starting a new language or traveling somewhere or studying something. Like, I think it would probably have been different if I just had some other different studies in my mind. But 
I don't know, I feel grateful because like even if that had been the case, I think they would have supported me anyway. So I think that is was one of the opportunities I'm most grateful for. And also because, of course, they have always been aware of the fact that um, studies are very important in someone's lives. And so they've always um, been careful for not spending that much money on other things that were not that important and saving part of their money or their savings for us, for my brother and I, to be able to study whatever we wanted. Thank you for sharing that. All right, some fun questions now. So <laughs> what do you do? You know, you, you are going to school and traveling in the midst of a pandemic, even though we do have a vaccine and I know things are opening back up now. But, you know, how do you connect and create friendships now with this, you know, in this new climate and any obstacles there, you know, with, with creating friendships in a new place? So at the beginning, it was actually quite hard for me, mainly because I'm very, very shy person. When I don't know people around me, it's just super hard for me, like, to like not to know someone and having that person in front of me and actually talking to that person <laughs> without having the feeling that I'm just annoying them. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> at the beginning, it was quite hard also because um, the first two weeks of classes here were online. So as I was living in a residence there and most of the people living there are Canadians, they were, of course, uh, in their houses. They didn't move to campus by that time. So I was like yes like I was almost alone <laughs> in the residence mm -hmm. I didn't run into anyone like uh, in the bathroom or in the living room or anywhere so it was actually very hard because it was also like of course the first time in my life I was living that far from my family I had nowhere of course like, like no one's already right. in my room or anything right. and classes were right. online so that was actually oh, wow. the first two weeks were very hard in that sense but then I have to say that I was actually really lucky because once classes started not only not only with my classmates which were both Canadian and international and with the teachers which uh, like were very aware of, the, of what the situation was and were really like careful for like making sure that everyone was feeling comfortable in there uh, but also because the, actually the place where I got to know most of my friends here is somewhere called the MOD which stands for modular dining facility which is basically the place <laughs> where we have our meals um, and I was the cafeteria yes <laughs> basically <laughs> so um, that was very nice because like we made a small group of friends in there which are like all of us are international students like there are people from many places in there. There are like Italians, Germans, Finnish, Taiwanese, and many, many places. I was really grateful for that because like um, they, like we saw each other every day, but we just were like too shy to talk to each other and just make a group, but we actually did it. And like most of the experiences, most of the troubles, the small trips I have done here, it's been with them. And now, like, now that I only have like one more month left in here, we're constantly thinking about how hard it is, is going to be to say goodbye to each other. Because even if most of us are Europeans, it's going to be, of course, difficult to see each other, <laughs> at least in a, like, you know, at least like 
couple of yeah. times a year or so, it's going to be hard because each of us has a completely different life. So yeah, we don't want to th- overthink it about it because it's going to be very hard and very sad. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, we are just trying to like make the most of our time and having as much fun together as possible. I think that's the best outlook is just to really enjoy the time that you have. You know, it's, it's similar with any group travel, you know, that I've done is, you know, and you don't know who you're going to keep in touch with, right? Like, or, or who, you know, you'll sort of gravitate to afterwards, but you at least always have the memories and the pictures. And so, and, and yeah, so that's, that's really cool. Um, is there, and, and I can again, I just, I can't imagine, yeah, just that, you know, feeling of loneliness and having to deal with that for a couple of weeks. So I'm glad that you were able to create what sounds like some very, very meaningful um, friendships. Who is the one person that you, you miss the most when you do travel from back home? So definitely, like, of course, I do miss my friends a lot. I do miss, like, telling them every single thing that happens to me, every single, like, place that I visit, person that I meet, everything. But of course, I miss my family a lot because the I live with them. I just spend most of my time with them back at home. So I miss, of course, both of my parents. Although I especially miss my mother because she's the one with whom I spend most part of my time and with whom I share like most of the things that happen to me and how I actually feel in the hardest moments. So I sometimes realize how much she means in my life right now because um, we, are re- we really help each other. It's not only me, but also her that tells me about her stuff. And I really miss that. I really miss like being in contact. I, like, I call her every day and we talk a lot, but mm. I really miss like that feeling of having her in it's front cool. of me. But yeah. I would say that if I like the person I miss the most when actually traveling and just having fun and making memories, I would say it's my brother because we are very, very close. Like he's turning 19 in three weeks, actually. And, you know, like I think we have like our relationship has changed a lot uh, with the years because at the very beginning, like we're only um there's only like a three year difference between us. So we like we used to play a lot together when we were kids. We were playing together the whole time, mixing up all our toys and watching Disney films together. And that was very nice part of our lives. But then when we were both teenagers, like maybe 13 and 15 or 16, that was the worst moment of our lives because we were fighting for every single thing that happened to us and just blaming everything on each other. And just like, you know, uh, telling, okay, I'm going to tell mom if you do this and please don't do that and whatever. Uh, But then when we were a little bit older, we got closer and closer. And I don't know, like I'm missing him so much here because um, there are so many things that I'm still not that confident to tell people in here because like at the end of the day, I've only known her, known them by three months and even if they are very close friends is not the same yeah. thing as someone you've known yeah. literally your whole life so Absolutely. i would definitely say my brother is the one with whom i would really love to share some of my experiences here oh 
That's so, so sweet. And I, I think it's so cool to hear that amazing relationship and bond that you have with your family, especially your mom and your and your brother. I think that's definitely something to cherish and not something that, you know, everyone, you know, has to look back to when they're in foreign countries. So I, I love that you have that waiting for you uh, <laughs> to go back yes. to. So I'm going to pry a little bit here, Paula. What's dating been like, you know, in in a, in the pandemic world and forming those those types of connection? So of course, like as every single thing of our lives, dating has changed a lot <laughs> with the pandemic. So much. <laughs> it's much harder to actually meet new people and make new connections because I'm not the kind of person that relies on social networks for that, for instance, because I know that a lot of people use like Tinder or whatever other social network yeah. to meet new people, I'm but like I dating. don't know, I don't feel like, I don't know, I'm not like the kind of person that, it's not that I don't like trust the applications or the networks, but I don't know, I'm not like, <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to use them <laughs> yet. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's valid. Yeah, to not be ready. And yes. then I would argue also you have a lot of social network technically being in school, right? Yes, so, yes that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind yeah. of the heroes actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like it's very hard to know new people. And I actually think here it's it would be even easier to actually make new connections because you're, I'm constantly meeting new people. Like I think I get to know someone new every single day that I'm here, either oh, because wow. it's a friend of a friend or because I just run into new people right. on campus because the, this is like huge compared to my home university. So you can literally get to know someone new every single day if you want to. But like dating is a completely different story. So like, even if I have, like I don't know, managed to have like a couple of dates or free or like meeting people in a romantic way here. I don't know, like uh, some of the, for example, some of my friends or uh, my group of friends, they are together like between themselves and they are aware of the fact that they're going to have to say goodbye to each other like in a month because they live in different countries. And it's, of course, oh, very gosh, difficult yeah. to um, keep yeah. on with that. Uh, but I actually think that I'm in a moment of my life in which I do prefer to focus more on myself and on my own personal goals rather than uh, focusing my life on relationship. And maybe it's easy to say this because I actually don't have any, so that's not a part of my life right now. But I don't know, like, I feel the moments, I've realized that the moments in which I feel the happiest and the proudest of myself is when I actually uh, manage to um, achieve some of the goals I have in my mind. So not only in an academical way, but also like, I don't know, like mm, being here, for instance, getting a job, or I don't know, even, for example, manage to lose weight, which is a completely different story, but it's just something I have on my mind, something I want to achieve. And I'm really yeah. happy and I feel really good with myself when I achieve some of that. So I think that maybe once I get some of that done, I will be maybe like more ready to actually like share my life with someone else and get to know someone or get into a relationship in a more serious way. 
No, I mean, I think that makes complete sense. You are in a, and probably will be for, for quite some time in a growth phase, right? You're growing exponentially. And, and I think you'd rather work, focus on that self-growth, right? Working on yourself so that that can only make you be a better person when you are ready to put yourself out there. And so I, I know I, I, I admire that. And I think that's, that's again, also very mature for you to <laughs> think in that way. I wish I was as mature as you when I was growing up. But um, no, I think that's, that's a really cool way of looking at it. And, you know, I, I don't think there's, you'll, you'll only reap so much benefits from working on yourself and technically dating yourself, right? Getting to know who you are so that you, you can be kind of have a better idea of what you do want in, in another, in a, in a future, you know, partner. Awesome. So if, you know, if someone wanted to follow in your footsteps, where could they start? Like, you know, wow, that's so cool, Paula. I want to be like you. What, what do you, what do you advise them to start? I would say that one of the most uh, important things, or one of, yeah, one of the things that has been the most important for, for me throughout my life has been having a very clear idea or at least as clear as possible of what you really want to achieve and have a very fixed objective, fixed goal in life. So, for example, I knew that it was very hard to get into my university degree because like the mark you were required to have uh, like from high school and also in the, um, in the, in the exam you have to take was very high and like at the very beginning I thought okay I'm gonna change my mind I'm gonna try and see if I like something else because I'm definitely not gonna achieve that it's very hard it's not for me uh, but then I thought okay like I couldn't like I couldn't stop thinking okay but that is what I really like like do I have to change my mind and just study something else and just become someone else in like for just for not even right. trying to um, actually do what I want right. to do. I actually did it. I thought, okay, like, even if I know I'm aware of the fact that it's very hard and maybe I don't get it. So, and then in that case, I will have to just forget about that and just go to my plan B, you know. But even though I knew that it was very hard, I tried it. And, like, I clearly remember the moment in which I knew that I had been admitted in my university as one of the happiest moments in my life because I just like I actually had to read the message twice because I just couldn't <laughs> believe that I had because it was like so yeah. much effort and so much time Work. studying and working and I couldn't like I couldn't believe that that had made any sense because at some point I thought that it was not worth it that I was just like spending yeah. my life and my time for nothing and when I yeah. knew that it had become real I thought okay if I have done this I think that I can like I will be able to do many more things in my life so like the advice in general would be if you really have a dream if you really have something you wanna you wanna do with your life just follow it even if it can sound like something like a typical Instagram quote <laughs> I think it's very real yeah. and I think it's something that will really help you to 
to yeah to actually achieve your goals and your dreams in life absolutely so yeah don't give up no matter how silly it sounds or like you said or even if that path is not perfect right like you said your marks weren't great but or, or here we say grades but yeah don't let that derail you it's your passion right it's not going to be easy so just double down learn it and yeah that really touches on you know an experience and story of mine that i hope to share later you know of how i even became a clinician or a physician associate it was not a popular choice for my family right they they thought oh why don't you just go be a doctor and it was something i had to fight for that was not popular and i thought oh my gosh i hope i haven't made a mistake but it, it's a passion and i i stuck with it so i totally i can um you know resonate with with that um so thank you for sharing that all right so my last question for you is i would really love you to take us to madrid like what what excites you about madrid your hometown and if i was going to visit madrid what where would that be and then i have a quirky question for you that i just i'd love to wrap the interview with is do you have a weird tick habit quirk that most people don't know about you that you'd be willing to share okay so starting by madrid i really love my city i actually don't live like in the center of madrid i live in in leganes which is in the south it's like 20 minutes away from the city center but one thing i really like about it is that you can literally do whatever you want without getting out of the city there are like many leisure opportunities like you can go to like many many different theater plays or go to the cinema and there are many, many different experiences and uh, you can you can live without getting out of the city and uh, just by taking public transport. And I really appreciate that because I have seen that, if, for example, even here, which is like a big city, they don't have that yeah. ma- that much like uh, or, that, or that big public transport net as we have in Madrid. And I'm really missing that yeah. because it's very easy to yeah. get like literally anywhere uh, just by taking the train or taking the subway, which I really miss. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I would definitely, like if someone wanted to come to Madrid, I would definitely uh, tell them to be ready to spend maybe a lot of time in public transport, but it will definitely be worth it because they will manage to be, to like to see every single thing of the city. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, we share the same issues that Canada does here in America. At least, you know, my my part that I live in is everyone drives, and and the public transportation is pretty much non-existent in the south here. And uh, what's your weird tick or habit or quirk? Uh, so, like, I think I'm a really weird person in a lot of <laughs> senses. <laughs> But like, Same here. <laughs> That's but, why we're friends. I'm yeah. definitely awkward and just. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, I think some of like maybe my weirdest habits is that like I'm really, really, really superstitious, like for every single thing, but especially for studies. Because, for example, like if I take an exam and I'm wearing whatever clothes and the exam doesn't go well that clothes aren't gonna go for any other exam like anymore in my life <laughs> so yes like do I'm... you burn them what do you do with the clothes 
<laughs> I don't burn them, but I guess like I will definitely not wear them for an exam anymore. Like for an exam, yes. any other event, yes, but not for. Oh my yes. gosh, yes, and the same awesome. in the opposite sense. So if I am wearing something on the exam or the test or whatever, yeah. wow. uh, and not only like the university stuff, but also for example when I took the driving test, which I actually had to take five times before passing. I clearly remember, like, each time I failed, I was like, okay, these clothes are not worthy. I'm not taking them to my following exam, even if I feel, like, really comfortable for, with them for driving. But I'm definitely not, not wearing them from the, for the following time. <laughs> uh, oh, I love that. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that. Yeah, you know, if I had to share that same, you know, statement with... I think I, I'm definitely su superstitious as well in some ways. And, and you know, I grew up with my grandmother and she was very religious and she was Catholic. And, you know, she always prayed the rosary. And so to this day, when I, you know, I'm doing something that I want to go well or I'm traveling somewhere and, you know, like the, the, sometimes traveling can give you those feelings of unsafety, right? Like, you got to travel somewhere and then you're meeting people. I always have a rosary on me, like in every, in my bag, in my suitcase. Uh, so that's kind of, and if, if I don't have that, I have this feeling of uneasiness. So it's definitely that thing that I feel like gives me, but I love your, uh, <laughs> I love yours with the outfit. That's your, your rabbit's foot is your outfit that you're, you're wearing. Well, Paula, we've come to the end of this interview and I'm so sad because I, I don't want it to end. I feel like I could keep keep going, but we, we already kind of went over and um, but it was just such a pleasure and and just an extreme honor for you to allow me to share your story um, with my listeners and to see things through your lens as a, you know, um, as a student, as a young, ambitious Spanish woman and, um, and multilingual, that, that's really cool. And I'm sure there's people, so many people out there that could resonate with your story and your dreams. And, you know, I wish nothing but the best. I know you're going to go great, great, great places. And I definitely, one day when the world opens, I'm going to bring those, uh, my girls to Madrid to come <laughs> and visit or wherever you are in the world, <laughs> we'll come and visit. So, yeah, so we're going to um, end this uh, interview here. Thank you again, um, Paula. And I completely wish you all the best. Any, any last words? <laughs> Yes, like, yeah, I just wanted to thank you because, like, being part of one of your episodes is a real honor to me and I I, I can really Aww. appreciate that you counted on me for this um, creative side of you and I'm really also, like, really proud of you, of everything you're achieving in life in general and I'm really happy that we accidentally got to know each other <laughs> on the bus because I think this Even is... Even though I'm old. <laughs> Yes, but it is only a number, and I think this. It, it is. Yes, I think it this is. friendship it is going to last much longer. I I completely agree. That is so so sweet of you. Well, thank you again, listeners, for tuning in to this episode. I look forward to sharing more episodes on travel and sharing more about the places I've been or where you know friends like Paula have been and sort of you know their experiences. 
and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to um, you know take you on those those dra- travels with you uh, and kind of relieve those stories and experiences that I went through. So until until next episode, take care. Thank you so much for listening to this Fitzgerald Stories podcast. I truly enjoyed sharing this episode with you, and I'm honored that you chose to spend your time with me. I hope you felt inspired, and if you know someone that needed to hear this story, be sure to share it with them. Look out for new and exciting storytelling episodes every two weeks. If you would like to connect with us, visit the website at sweetsorella.com. We also have an Instagram at sweetsorella. Remember, no matter your story of where you've been or where you are now, know that you are loved, heard, and seen. Until next time, take care. Content on the Sweet Sorella Stories podcast express viewpoints that are my own and those of my guests and not of mine or their employers. In addition, this content is to be used for entertainment and should never be substituted for advice or care from a designated licensed or professional clinician or mental health expert.